And I always tell parents, it's never too early to prepare and it's never too late to turn things around. And I truly believe that because our kids are worth it. Pull up a seat to the table. You are listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast, where we elevate successful entrepreneurs into powerful leaders doing work that really matters. After working with countless entrepreneurs, I've noticed a theme. No matter the level of success achieved, they get to this place where they're asking, now what? If you're listening to this, you get it. You're craving more impact. You want to do work that means something, and you want to be known for it, too. Somewhere along the way, it wasn't just about growing a business anymore. It became time to build your legacy. Plus, building the dream at the expense of everything else that matters, family, freedom, joy, is no dream at all. The Luminary Leadership Podcast is where industry leaders come to break through to their next level of achievement, purpose, and impact. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and I'm here to raise up this generation of leaders, us, so we can do our part in raising up the next generation of little luminaries. Get ready as we break down all things entrepreneurial leadership in a way that isn't being talked about. We both know you don't just need another strategy. It's time for your breakthrough. I am absolutely blown away by the response we've received thus far since really dedicating an entire month to this idea of technology from the standpoint of how we're being targeted and how our kids are being targeted to how to work with tech. You know, how can we be people that don't give in to the temptation of becoming addicted to these devices? How do we understand the data that's been studied now and is showing us the detriments of some of these tools and how they're designed to be addictive and what is that doing to our kids' brains? And from the perspective of how as entrepreneurs can we be a little less tech-dependent And then as entrepreneurial families, how do we weave the two? How do we choose our path forward in technology? So I am blown away. Our inbox has been filling up with people who are interested. They want more, which is why I had to have Andrea Davis on the show. So Andrea is a former secondary ed teacher turned screen time navigator, and she's the founder of Better Screen Time. So she shares family-tested ideas from the tech trenches as a mother of five. And she's really on this mission to help parents worry less about technology and connect more with their children, which is a really challenging thing to do in this day and age. She's the author of Creating a Tech Healthy Family. She is certified by the Digital Wellness Institute, and she just is a wealth of knowledge in this space. So although I know this conversation might ruffle some feathers because it's always hard at least for me and for people in general, to hear the things that we haven't yet mastered, to hear the things where we might, oh man, am I going wrong here? Have I let my kids down? But I want to encourage you to enter into this conversation with Andrea with an open mind and just an open heart as to taking what you need for you and your family and your business and your life and finding your path forward when it comes to technology. This is just a reality. This is what our world is now. So we may as well equip ourselves, equip our families to understand what we're up against and make conscious choices instead of being the victims that just kind of have things placed on us. I am so excited to bring you this conversation with Andrea Davis. You are going to love it. Please be sure to share the heck out of it because more parents, more people, more entrepreneurs, they need to hear this message. And I'm excited for all of you to tune in. 
Okay, Andrea, I've been so excited to chat because I'm really blown away by the response we've been getting as of late around our focus on technology on the podcast and how we can be more aware and more in control and not as dependent on technology. And you are the educator a lot of people are turning to for this exact thing. So welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you, Liz. Yeah, well, I would love to know personally, and I'm sure our listeners would as well, what led you down this path? I mean, I know what you're doing now, but how did this all come to be? Yes. So we moved from Illinois to Oregon about five years ago. And at the time, our oldest turned 12. And she is like the kind of kid that cleans her room without being asked. Just that typical oldest child that's very responsible. And in the chaos of moving, we handed over a smartphone to her so she could stay in touch with these friends that she was leaving behind who were also getting phones at the time. And also so we could stay in touch with her in this place where we didn't know anyone. Well, it didn't take long for us to realize that it really was too much too soon. So I remember distinctly her coming home from school one day and she sat down to eat her after school snack of cereal and she was spinning cereal into her mouth with one hand, but then with the other hand, she was doing this scrolling. And I just had this moment where I was like, where, where did my kid go? Where did my daughter go? Because this used to be a moment when we had a conversation about how was your day and just chat. And all of a sudden this device was a distraction and really in our relationship. And through a few mm-hmm. other circumstances and situations, we just realized you know, we hadn't prepared her. We hadn't prepared ourselves. And that as parents in general, we hadn't been given enough information about really what smartphones were doing to our kids and to ourselves. And so we took a step back. We went back to a brick phone, which was all that was available at the time. It was super painful (laughs) for her and us, but it was one of the smartest things that we've ever done as parents. And so we went back to the beginning and we were like, okay, we're going to create a family tech plan. And we're going to decide like, how are we as parents going to use our smartphones And so that just led me to this journey. And I decided, you know, I used to be a teacher going to use those skills to now teach parents about managing screen time and just basically sharing the lessons that we were learning along the way. It's such a testament to the fact that sometimes our missions are birthed out of our own necessity and our own experience, our own mistakes. And I just have to commend you for something that I feel like could be a block for a lot of our listeners who maybe have kids that are already have phones or are already addicted to their devices or dependent. Uh, The fact that you had the courage to go back to be able to say, oh, mom and dad handled this, not the way that, you know, we're learning as we go. So having the humility to come to the table with your children and be like, listen, this is what we're learning. This is a detriment to what we want most for you and for our family. Yes, it's going to come with some pain to say, hey, you just went from a smartphone to a phone that can just 
call and work as <laughs> yes. an actual telephone. Um, but you did it anyway, because you have a vision for what you want most for your children. So I think sometimes in what I've noticed in talking about technology with regularity over the last month is that a lot of parents are getting very triggered by this conversation because they feel like they're in too deep and it's too painful to look at your child and be like, I've already screwed it up. I don't even want to admit that. But I think what this conversation can lend itself to is, hey, let's talk about ways that even if you're in too deep or you feel like you're in too deep, there are things that you can do to improve and make this better. Yes. And I always tell parents, it's never too early to prepare and it's never too late to turn things around. And I truly believe that because our kids are worth it. And again, I think it really is a matter of just saying, hey, we're the first generation of parents that have had to, to deal with this. And in a lot of situations, when I hear people say that, they almost describe it as a weakness. But to be honest with you, Liz, I see it as a strength that we still remember life before having a computer in our right. pocket. And so, yes, it's challenging because we've never done this before, but it's also a unique opportunity and responsibility that we have to teach this next generation about balance and about remembering that life before we all had devices in our Mm -hmm. pockets. You're so right. And I think about that often because to me, that's a luxury that we even have that in our worldview. Whereas when our kids are raising their children, they won't have anything but our stories about it. And when they thought we were dinosaurs pre cell phone (laughs) era, Yes. Um, Can you talk a little bit about just kind of like lay the groundwork for us? Like, why is this so important for our kids? Because I know there are plenty of parents that have the attitude. They're like, well, my kid has an iPad and they're they're fine. You know, that's this the classic average standard of a lot of society. One, fine's not our goal for our children, but two, there could be a lot of things happening under the surface that maybe we're not seeing yet that can certainly show up in other ways later in life or in different manifest in different ways. So I would love for you to just speak, like, what have you learned that has led you to be so gung-ho on this and to identify like, wait, no, this actually is critical and here's why. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of reasons, but one thing is that while technology has changed what kids need has not. Because of my background as a teacher, former teacher, and also a mother of five, I've really watched like those stages of child development. And what kids need is what they've always needed. So they still need the same number of hours of sleep that they always needed. They need out time outdoors. They need physical activity. They need face-to-face interaction with other people. They need time to just wonder, to think, to be alone with their thoughts, to be a kid. They need responsibilities. <laughs> they need chores. And they need time with their family to, to learn family values and to learn what their own values are. So all those things haven't changed. And the thing that we're seeing is that the average statistic is that kids are spending about seven hours per day on screens. So that's about like school age kids up to teenagers, sometimes a little bit less, sometimes more. So if our kids are spending seven hours a day on screens, what are they then missing out on? And that's really one of our primary concerns as those of us that talk about this 
is looking at those basic skills, basic aspects of child development that kids need to develop helpfully and properly, those things are still still there. So that's, that's one angle. Another thing is looking at the technology that's available to us. So when you hand a child a smartphone or a device, you really are handing them the world. Now, we have a lot more parental controls now than we did even five years ago. So five years ago, when I handed over that phone to my daughter, Apple's screen time didn't even exist. So we've come a long way in that regard, but we have to remember that there's still loopholes around parental controls. And there's a lot of teaching that has to happen before our kids access the world. So uh, we've got online predators. (laughs) We have sexting. We have pornography. We have a lot of videos and images about self-harm. A lot of young teenagers, especially girls, have a lot of issues with, you know, body, just their body image, which also can be kind of exasperated through social media. There is violence. (laughs) There are so many things that are just available. And for the most part, the internet is kind of unregulated. And there really aren't a lot of laws in place to protect our kids. There are a lot of people that are working to create more laws and create more protection for our kids. But a lot of those things really aren't in place. So a lot of that responsibility bears down on parents. And what I hear sometimes from parents is that, well, I handed this over because, you know, it started out innocently enough, like my kid was playing Minecraft, but then they weren't super excited about Minecraft anymore and they wanted something else. So sometimes it it kind of starts to escalate and as parents were busy doing other things and maybe, um, yeah, just wrapped up in our own screens or just work and, and life that maybe we're not paying attention. And it's crazy how quickly kids can find something that it, it's an image that they can't unsee or it's a contact from a stranger online and it it can go from like nothing to something very very quickly. <laughs> so again that those are just a few a few of the things that you know we are concerned about as screen time educators. And each one individually is is significant in its own right. You know, you rewind 20 years and if our parents were encountering any of those individual things you mentioned, it would be a really big deal and it would be something to be addressed and the world would care more. I feel like we're just becoming so desensitized to it because it is being normalized. But to me at this juncture in the world, like if it's normalized, that's my barometer for what to stay away from because I don't want my kids to just go with the flow of the river because I know that it's not leading to a good outlet or a good place. And one thing you had mentioned is sometimes we're so busy and we're tied up in our own screens. And I'd love to just, you know, talk about that a bit because I primarily work with entrepreneurs, which means we often use our phones or our devices under the guise of, well, we have to, this is how we run our business. And I can totally relate to that because I run an online company. But at what point we start, at some point we start to tip the scales from you know, that being true and having systems that make it so that we're not completely uh, victim to these devices. And then we start to tip into addiction and 
our own struggles with it or going on social media to post that thing for our business, but then 30 minutes later, we're scrolling garbage. Um, It really has to start with us, which is the hard part because this is where I see a lot of my, my clientele falling short because they care about everything that you just mentioned, Andrea, like they are hearing you and they're nodding their head and they're saying, yes, like, I don't want my kids exposed to that. I'm willing to take those leaps and bounds and do the things differently. But their kids are witnessing them do literally the opposite. You know, it's the, it's the drunk alcoholic parent with the bottle in their hand telling their kid, yeah, you probably shouldn't drink this stuff. It's like, there's a lack of congruence there. So how do we, as the ones that should be influencing our children in this regard, where do we start? You know, we're all tech addicted. We've all got problems. And I I would say the greatest struggle is a lot of my clients or a lot of my listeners, they would, if you, if I said, Hey, you have a phone addiction or Hey, you're, you know, you're not setting the proper stage for your children. They'd be shocked. You know, they're thinking like the rest of the world's addicted, Mm -hmm. but it has to start with us. So like, where do we start? We're a mess as a society in terms of this. And we're setting our kids up for, um, you know, a rough transition into the world because we're not setting the right example. Yeah. No, I love this question and I have several thoughts. So first I'll start with, I think it's so important to create a family tech plan to with your kids. And the beauty of that is that it helps us as parents to be accountable as well. So when our, when we went back and started with this, with our daughter, I, we decided that one of the rules or boundaries we would have as a family was to keep our devices out of bedrooms and bathrooms. And one of the first things my kids said was, well, mom, you take your laptop into the your bedroom sometimes. And at the time I wasn't running my own business. I was working for other people. I worked for like three different people just online. Right. And I was like, you're right. I'm going to quit taking my laptop into the bedroom. And that was five years ago. And I've, I've stuck with that, not taking my phone or my laptop into the bedroom. And I think creating some boundaries like that about spaces and times when you're not going to be on your phone or you're not a place where you're not going to take your phone is super, super helpful. And I even remember because it, again, when I first, my oldest is 17, she'll be 18 in a couple of months. And I remember as a younger parent with my older kids, I didn't have a smartphone. And so I still remember that distraction-free life. And I then remember with my fifth child reading to her, reading Harry Potter one night, and my phone buzzed and I picked it up and was like, oh, thinking I've got to respond to this text. And I just had one of those moments where I was like, what am I doing? The the most important thing right now is right in front of me. And it's this reading the story with my kid. And so again, that was like my checkup to leave my device in the charging station. We have a charging station in the office rather than carrying my phone in my pocket around the house. And so again, when I first got a smartphone, I carried it around in my pocket everywhere I went because it just was like, oh, somebody might need me. But I think we'll have a realization that most of the time for people that need us are right in front of us and the people that need us immediately. And yes, there might be times when you've got teenagers or a spouse that it's away and you need to pay attention. But 
for the most part, a lot of texts can wait. And I think it is just like identifying what's your weakness for me personally, I'm a little bit more type A. And so my weakness is that I feel like I want to be on top of things and respond to people right away. Mm-hmm. And for someone else, it might be like, they just love social media and like the engagement and the likes and, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think we all have different reasons why we might be drawn to our device. And so I think it's being honest with ourselves. What is it that's really pulling me in? Is it an escape or is it this drive to have to respond to a DM right away? What is that? And then putting those boundaries in place where it's like, okay, well, at five o'clock, we're going to prep dinner as a family. My phone goes in the charging station, my laptop shut. And, you know, I think it is just like looking at your own life, looking at your own business, and deciding what are those business hours? What are those family hours? And also like, I have all notifications turned off on my mm-hmm. phone, at least on any of the apps. So just doing some things like that to kind of let the tech help you so that you are not having to do it all alone and, and having an ac- accountability partner. So, you know, it's great if your spouse or partner, you can kind of come to some agreements together and like, Hey, if I'm on my phone in the car, when we're all going somewhere as a family, like call me out on it so that I can put it away and be present. And sometimes that's hard to hear, but we need to hear it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And our kids are, are really good at reflecting back to us where, where we might be falling short. I mean, my children are young. My oldest is only seven and down the line, uh, five, three. But when I've asked all of them, Hey, what could what could I do better as a mom? Or, um, you know, how does it make you feel when you see mom or dad on our phone when we're in the kitchen? Like, cause that's an area where we gather a lot as a family and hearing their responses was very humbling and very challenging, but also very, uh, validating as to what, okay, what changes do we need to make? Because I wasn't willing to allow them to feel, you know, what you're describing when you were reading Harry Potter with your daughter, it's like that feeling for them, it might feel like a little thing like, oh, mom just has to do this. We like justify it with the just, mm-hmm. but to them, it's a, uh, that's more important than me. And especially at those younger stages that gets, you know, codified into their wiring and it becomes, you know, we always want to approach life thinking, oh, we're not going to be the parents that create any kind of like trauma or you know, wire our children's brains wrong, but little things, we're not perfect, first of all. So all our kids are going to have their own fair share of struggles they'll have to work through. But those little things amount to really big things and messages to them that start to solidify in their mind as to what they think about themselves or how they like, oh, I couldn't even get my own mother's attention. What am I going to have to do to get that friend's attention or somebody else's attention? So it's really critical. And what I really love that you mentioned is this idea of putting into place the things that are going to help make it easier on us. Because the reality is, is I'm all for discipline. I'm all for setting boundaries. But when you set boundaries and then you dangle the carrot in front of your face all day, every day, it's like you're torturing Mm -hmm. yourself. It's death by a thousand cuts. How can you remove the temptation because we're human? You know, for us, I, my husband thought I was nuts. My friends think I'm crazy. Solicitors love me because I asked for a house phone a few years ago because I didn't want to carry my phone around because I wanted to do exactly what you're talking about. But I was like, 
I want my parents to be able to call if there's an emergency. So I yeah. had this issue. And then I was like, oh, how, like, look for the solutions. Okay. What is an option? Well, I'll have a house phone. You could do that, you know, with teenagers too. It's like, oh, if you can't reach mom on her cell phone, call the house phone because I put my phone away because I'm with the younger kids or something. So creating the boundaries and leveraging ways to make it easier on you. doesn't have to be excruciating. Yes. I love that. And even within like Apple screen time, And on Android, you can do this too, but you can like set up certain modes Mm -hmm. so that only certain people can get through to you at a certain times of day. And that's been helpful too. In fact, I have one called making memories mode and it automatically turns on if I've got like the trails app going. So that means like we're out on the trail doing a hike or something. And so it was, it's just like, as soon as I employ that app, so I'm like mapping our route on the trail, then this kicks in. So only certain people can contact me. So I'm not like looking at texts while, you know, mm-hmm. supposed to be out there with my kids. So again, yeah, employing the tech to, to help you manage it is, is good. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit more about uh, the creation of a tech plan for your family. I love the idea of bringing the kids into the conversation, even young kids, because let's give our kids the credit they deserve. Even like a three-year-old yes. can chime in on these kind of things in their own sweet little way. But can you talk a little bit about what that looked like when you brought it to the table with your family and maybe some things to consider as people are like, I love this idea of a tech plan, but maybe not exactly sure how, where to start. Yeah. Well, I love that you said three-year-old because our youngest was three when we first did this, but then my oldest was in middle school. So we kind of had a broad range of ages. So to anyone listening, don't let that stop you. But the first conversation that we had with our kids is we actually made a thumbs up and a thumbs down list. And we said, okay, guys, what are all the things that you love about tech? And that's our thumbs up list. So you know, how FaceTime with grandma and grandpa, all the, all the things we made this big list on a poster board and then thumbs down. We said, okay, what do we need to watch out for when it comes to the bad side or the dark side of technology? And it's amazing what kids know. I mean, they, they know a lot. And then it's also gives you an opportunity to kind of see where their gap in their knowledge is like, have you ever talked to your seven-year-old about pornography? Maybe they don't know that word and it's a great time to bring it up. We have to bring it up early anymore and just kind of talk about, yeah, like bad pictures. And what does that mean? So make your list of a thumbs down. And I like that conversation first, because you're acknowledging that technology isn't the devil, that it can be used for good and bad, and that it gives your kids a chance to see the the power of discernment. So like being able to discern between good and bad. So that was the first conversation we had. And and so I recommend that people do that. And then the second one was actually forming our family tech plan. So we talked about where will we use screens? What will we do on them? For how long? So where, when, what, and how long? And again, that was when we decided to take the screens out of bedrooms and bathrooms. And I'm so grateful because now I have three teenage girls <laughs> and I love that they know that no phones go into the bedrooms. And so this is why I'm trying so hard to help families establish these habits and routines early because it will make your life so much easier when your kids get older and they just, they'll have more access to devices, even if they don't have a phone. They'll probably get one at school if they go to public school. So um, 
And then, yeah, just being mindful of like, okay, and and when? Well, not at the, the dinner table. All devices are going to be put away at the dinner table. And how long? We talked a lot about self-awareness. Like, how do you feel when you're on a screen for too long? Even just like watching TV. Or... And so, again, this conversation with younger kids, like your kid's age, might just be super simple, but so important because you're kind of starting to build that scaffolding and that foundation of like, oh yeah, we've talked about this. And then the next time when they're a little older, maybe in six months, a friend brings a device over or they go to a friend's house and they're just getting more exposure, then you get to kind of layer on to that conversation. And so I think your family tech plan will evolve and change as your kids get older and as technology changes. And that's okay. I think it's, it's a living document, but you can kind of start with that. I think it's such a solid foundation that we can, you know, a gift we can give to our children and to ourselves as parents, because this is just, this is the reality. This is what we're up against. I've always joked that I'm envious of, you know, my grandmother raising her kids, just competing with like a phone that was corded to the wall for when her sisters (laughs) would call and want to chit chat. And, you know, my mom competing with the TV that she would just be like, I'm canceling cable. Like, I just don't want you to watch. It was just so much easier. And I think the key word that you used is discernment. That's a huge focus in a lot of the work we do with our raising luminary side of the business with kids, because you can create the boundaries for your home, but then your kids live a lot of their life oftentimes outside of the home and they have to, you, we have to, it's our job to equip them to be able to discern right from wrong or what's in alignment with our family values so that they're not in a situation where you know, they're at the friend's house or they're at school or whatever it might be. And they're being exposed to something where they don't have the armor to know what to do next with that or, or the safe place to bring it home to you and say, Hey, I saw this. Can we talk about it? Uh, Because I think that's a big part of it too, is so much of what happens behind that screen is done in secret. We see so many kids getting bullied and hurt And children that are good kids saying terrible things because they've got their screen muscles on because they don't Mm. have to say it to someone's face. Like you knew growing up who was a jerk because they were the ones that would like look you in the eye and say the mean thing. They, (laughs) you know, there wasn't this whole other subcategory of jerks that were like really nice in person, but then like would hide like a little troll and, and say things on the internet. That wasn't our reality. So we are up against a lot more as parents. Our kids are up against a lot more, but it doesn't mean that we can't build them up to be the the little leaders who are going to be able to withstand, you know, the winds that are coming at them. So I love that you said discernment. I love this idea of a family tech plan. And I am curious if you have any resources or anything that we can point our listeners to to um, continue to dig into this because I'm seeing more and more based on the responses we've had over the last month or so on the podcast that this is something people are very hungry for. They just are feeling ill-equipped themselves going into it. Yeah, I completely understand. (laughs) And that's why, you know why I'm here. So we have a quick guide to creating a family tech plan on our website, betterscreentime.com. And you'll just see it on the homepage toward the bottom. We also have a discussion guide on Amazon. It's like $13 and it just kind of walks you through some of these conversations that we talked about. So starting with the thumbs up, thumbs down list, then moving on to the family tech plan. And then we talk about like how rules keep us safe 
and we talk about self-awareness and talk about pornography and kind of just talking about using our time wisely, all, all of those conversations that really we need to have with our kids. So those are great starting points. We have two online courses as well. One of them is called Creating a Tech Healthy Family. And my whole goal there is to help families reduce screen time, restore family time, and raise kids who thrive. Like that, that's my goal. So that's really for parents that have kids ages five to 13. And then we have a course for parents of teenagers called Untangling Teens in Tech. And that really can be started at about the preteen age, 11 to 12, because kids are getting smartphones earlier and earlier. And so even if your kid isn't, their peers and friends likely are. So we really want them to be equipped and prepared. And and then if you are starting into that phone journey, it's just great preparation to, we do, um, we create a parent teen pledge in that course. That's kind of our version of of a cell phone contract, we we recommend that rather than a contract because it's values based and more comes from your teen rather than something that you just print out. So we have a variety of resources, different levels, different ages. But yeah, my my goal is to help parents worry less about tech and connect more with their kids, which is a beautiful and very needed mission in the world right now. And I think. To your point, a lot of this is a living experience. We have to be willing to adapt and change because the truth is we can't, you know, most of us can't just go off the grid. You know, it's unrealistic to say cold turkey, tech goes away. You live on a farm. There's no access. I know. Wouldn't it be a beautiful (laughs) life? But even our kids, you know, if they're going off to school, they're being handed technology by the school itself. So there's, we have to learn to coexist and to rise above what the standard of society is with technology and to break free of that mold and create our own mold that is in congruence with the children we're called to raise. And I think that's Mm. the through line, right? That's where it's worth the sacrifice to me because I can say, yeah, when I take my three little crazies to a restaurant, it would be so much easier to put a phone in front of them because we want to stop the bleeding, like as they're screaming and whatever, However, what's what's the end goal? Well, if thriving kids, like you talk about as the end goal, is this going to serve that? So what are the sacrifices or the changes or the choices I have to make in order to access what I want most, not just what I want right now, which is quiet, cooperative children at the dinner table. Um, and oh, I feel put, like the you whole- You put that beautifully. I just wanted to add like now looking back because my oldest is almost 18. It was interesting because she's been writing college essays And one of them was about one part of my story I didn't tell you about is that we actually put our TV in the closet (laughs) and it's just stayed that way forever. But like my oldest wrote our essay about, you know, our TV was in the closet and, you know, I went through this whole thing with the phones, but she went on to conclude her essay about just learning who she was through getting to be a kid and having these experiences rather than through, you know programming or social media or other places Mm -hmm. like that. So it's beautiful to see when you can hold out like that with your kids at the restaurant. And it's exactly what you said. It's painful at the time. There are other options that would be easier. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad parent. If you turn to those sometimes, 
But again, like we want to think what, what am I trying to achieve? I want kids that can entertain themselves and can be content with doing nothing or can become creative or inventive enough to come up with something to do when they don't have anything to entertain them. (laughs) And so it, it does pay off. It really does. So I, I felt like I needed to add that for any parents Mm. who have young children out there to just say, Hey, I've, I've watched this now over the years. And I hear it from my kids' teachers all the time. What, what did you do? How did you do this? <laughs> Tell me whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And it's just, it is, it's like just showing up and sometimes doing, taking the harder path. Mm, what a beautiful gift that must've been to you to, to see that essay by your daughter and seeing that maybe there was some kicking and screaming along the journey, but come when she had that wisdom to look back that she recognizes the advantage that you gave her by the willingness to pursue that, you know, less traveled path. And that, I think that's, that's the mission here. I know is we're really, you know, when you're called to something more, especially when it comes to raising these incredible children and there's so much potential just oozing out of them, we can't uh, rob them of those opportunities. And I feel like tech can be one of those you know, robbers of their innocence, of their creativity, you know, boredom is a blessing. I can't tell you how many times as a kid, it was like, I'm bored. Great. Go outside, figure it out. And that's where, (laughs) you know, you expose yourself to so many different ways of thinking in your imagination. So that gives me something to aspire to. And it gives me something to hold on to if, and when I face my children fighting me on that, remembering someday they will write the essay thanking me for torturing them for those years for greater good. Yes. I have yet to see if the other four do. (laughs) Yes. Hey, one out of four is not bad. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just have to thank you, Andrea, both for your time today, but even more so for your willingness to lead this charge and consider me fully supportive and leveraging all your resources and excited to get this in front of our audience. We will link to everything you mentioned. So it's easy for people to grab in the show notes, but uh, you're a gem. This is fabulous work. And if there's ever anything we can do to support, please let us know. But we are going to be like fervent users of everything you're putting out because we believe in everything that you're doing. Oh, I love that. I love everything that you shared as well. And it was my pleasure to be here with you, Liz. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope today's episode gave you exactly what you needed. And if it spoke to you, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next juicy episode. And don't be shy. I don't bite often. So come connect with me over on Instagram at Eliz Hartke. And if there's a topic or a question, a guest you want to hear on the show or an idea you have for us, just reach out and share your thoughts. We do this for you. So the more you tell us, the more we can serve. Thank you for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. So tune in next time to keep building that legacy and doing the work that really matters.